In their rush to the airport, the McAllisters overlooked one minor detail. Now, his parents have a problem. I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Two burglars are in trouble. We know that you're in there. And Kevin is in heaven. Home Alone. Ready PG. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and welcome to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast that's all about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those worlds collide. In this case, it's the burglars that fly, that fall, that get horribly injured, because today we're talking about Home Alone, one of the most successful comedies of all time, and uh, it's become kind of an enduring holiday favorite as well. Uh, my name is Abandoned Latchkey Child Steve Guntley, and uh, who's here with me today? Um, I'm a wet bandit, uh, J-Ban. I am the wettest bandit, Justin. Hey, it's not a contest. It's not a contest. I know you like to come over here all drippy, but, uh, you know. Look. You're both entitled to the title. It's my calling card. Absolutely. Well, you have to, you have to. Yeah. You have to have a calling card if you're going to be a criminal. It yep. absolutely, absolutely. How else do. will the police link all of the crimes to you? I want, that used to be a real thing. It used it to be did. a thing. Like the, it was a literal card that criminals would just say, "Hey, you've just been robbed by Jimmy Pants and the boys," you know, and they'll throw it down. It's like that's a real great way for you get it, to get caught, Jimmy Pants. You know, you're just immediately going <laughs> to get you're just like slammer. Jimmy hey, Pants. Jimmy Pants. Yeah. They stop he you. A, he leaves a pair of pants at every scene. Pants. He has a pair of trousers that go right up under your nipples. Yeah? Oh, this geez. man, he walks around. He's trouserless. Has nothing to do with this case. Nothing to do with this case. <laughs> and in the pocket is the card of like <laughs> you've been pantsed by Jimmy Pants and the boys <laughs> uh, I'm more curious than I want a whole movie about the boys so I think it's really funny how like there's this enduring love the Home Alone movies have for film noir yeah <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> you have this small child watching like you know the grittiest film noir gangster movie um, I have to ask how old were y'all when you realized that that is not a real movie uh, I think I knew, uh, just because the guy is the same guy and the, the name, of, but I, I don't, I don't know how old I was when I realized it wasn't a real movie. See, I remember noticing there was something off in the second movie, which we'll, we'll get to, but like, I remember noticing there was something off. I just assumed it was like a computer generated or something. Like I thought it was a special effect that they brought this beloved actor back to be in a fake sequel. Like I knew the sequel wasn't real. But I really thought this original movie was real because it's the movie in this called Angels with Filthy Souls. There is a gangster movie called Angels with Dirty Faces. I think I read that in my Leonard Malton guide as a kid and just assumed they were the same thing. Uh, but now I know better. I know that's a fake movie inside a real movie that is called Home Alone. I just Angels with Filthy Souls to me, is a different genre of film. <laughs> it's slightly different. It's slightly different. Maybe you don't get it from the same part of the video store. Um, but yes, we're talking about Home Alone today. This movie was released November 16th, 1990. It's directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes, and it stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd, Roberts Blossom, Devin Ratray, Kieran Culkin, and John Candy. Uh, yeah, this is one of the most enduring holiday films of my lifetime, definitely. Like, and uh, also one of the most successful comedies of all time. And looking back on it, I think this is one of the weirder film phenomenons of like recent American history. Like, it is so strange that this movie became such a viral sensation. And we also got one of the most unique movie stars of my lifetime out of this movie in Macaulay Culkin. Like. Macaulay Culkin hit levels that no child star ever has, except for maybe Shirley Temple. Yeah, like Shirley Temple was bigger than Macaulay Culkin, arguably. Yeah. arguably what about Hannah Montana? No, no, no she was bigger. <laughs> she was no, she she was not as big. No, yeah. She, yeah, he was like a, a movie star. He was like a bona fide movie star before the age of ten, 
And like he was opening movies, like he was the reason people were going to these things. And his whole career was really rather short. Uh, but I do want to go into a little bit of Culkin because he's really interesting. Um, the Culkster. He the Culkster. He was. If we call him the Cock. It's awkward. You don't call him that. Culkin. Uh, he was born into an aspiring showbiz family. So his father Kit was a failed actor, and his uh, aunt. I didn't know this is actually Bonnie Bedelia from Die Hard. Oh wow! Had no idea that they were I didn't related. Know. But Who that is, is that? Wild. And it's Die Holly Hard. and Die Hard. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's Macaulay Culkin's aunt, his dad's sister. Okay. Um, and so Kit Culkin uh, was apparently a pretty shitty guy, um, but he pushed his children to go into acting at a young age, which is the the classic story of a frustrated yes, stage see, parent I, trying to live vicariously through his kids. I think that's how you become a film star at ten. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah, unfortunately, it kind of is. I mean, he made his acting debut in a TV movie when he was five years old and oh, followed wow. that up with theatrical roles in movies like Rocket Gibraltar and Uncle Buck. And it was that latter film that I think led directly to getting this movie because Uncle Buck is written and directed by John Hughes, who wrote the screenplay to this movie. And I think he just recognized that this kid's got kind of like a like a charisma to him. He's got a charisma, but he's also he's so tiny. Like you could wait when he's playing eight years old. He's a 10 year old, uh, but he looks so little. Yeah, he's just he looks itty bitty. He's a wee guy. He's got this kind of angelic little face, and he's he's precocious, you know? Like, he always seems to be kind of, like, running a scam on you in a way. Uh, and I, I, that's an interesting persona for a little kid in the 90s to have. <laughs> baby sociopath. He, a baby sociopath. He yeah. seems very puntable. <laughs> um, but the, I think that's the, that's his gift is that, like, he plays a lot of obnoxious, precocious kids, and I don't want to put him through a wall. Like, you know, <laughs> okay. like, I, I don't want to imply that I would ever put a kid through a wall. I just want to say, <laughs> just, you know, figure uh, of speech. But, it, like, for the listeners who don't know, Steve's walls are all patched up. They are. They're they are. really messed, uh, and I've always wondered why. Yeah, don't I'm pay any too afraid to ask. Don't pay any attention to those Heelys that are sticking out of my wall over there. They're, they're, they're oh, wait, can I have them? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh. Are you a size one? No. <laughs> but I've always wanted Healy's. I do think it's really important to think about how hard it is to cast child actors that aren't annoying. <laughs> it's tricky. It's tricky. And that's why there have been so few kind of phenomenons like Macaulay Culkin after this. So this movie comes out is the biggest hit of 1990. It's this runaway phenomenon. And, and he's the center of this movie. He's in at damn near every scene of this movie. So obviously they're going to try and capitalize on some of that. But his career was ultimately really very short okay so his whole career after home alone is my girl home alone 2 my girl getting even with dad the good son the page master and richie rich and so by 1994 his run is over you know he hits puberty and they kind of uh, move on and he he also just didn't want to continue acting um you know and yeah he also had a lot of personal life issues that were struggling yeah. with. He, he had a, a a lawsuit against his parents a very highly publicized lawsuit because they were trying to take control of his fortune and he didn't want them to um and he hasn't really spoken to his parents since that settlement happened he they, they the courts did rule in his favor luckily yeah because that's like that's the thing right like Respect to him for going, you know what? I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I've earned enough to not have to do anything I don't want to do for the rest yeah. of my oh, life. Absolutely. He can uh, probably live off of residuals. Yeah, the residuals. And just just do what he wants. Yeah. Travel, uh, whatever hobbies or skills. Line out a warm bathtub and yeah. sip champagne. Well, what, what he's chosen to do, he is now the <laughs> father of two kids uh, with actress Brenda Song. Uh, they're, they're engaged. Uh, just this month, he got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara presented it to him. Very lovely little speech. And uh, this same month, Home Alone got added into the National Film Registry. So Culkin's having a good month. But other than that, like, he kind of, like, he'll pop up in projects when he wants to. Like, his one big, like, adult movie role was this film called Party Monster that came out in 2003 where he was playing, like, this drag queen. It was, a, it was an interesting role for him to take, but that movie didn't quite connect Otherwise, he just kind of pops in whenever. And most of what he does is music. He has a pizza-themed experimental rock band. Uh, it sounds really bizarre and really fun. And he just, you know, this, this guy he does what just he wants. fucking loves cheese pizza. He loves cheese pizza. <laughs> He's absolutely in crazy like, about it. I like. I love pizza. Yeah. 
and so I appreciate it. Would you start but, a music collective about so it? So this is something that Pro- probably honestly. this is something that like uh, that should be advertised to everybody. But I, and I'm conscious of it, but it drives me crazy because I have to be conscious of it. But at the same time, I love cheese pizza. Sure. However, you got to save the cheese pizza for the vegetarians. You really do. And it's just like, and you've, especially like um, so many times you go places and I like vegetarian and vegan food because it's tasty. Sure. And I like, but the vegetarian and vegans, like everyone eats their food so they they don't have anything to eat. Um, So it's just like, it's a complete like. You save the cheese pizza for the vegetarians. You do. You absolutely do. And instead, do. you eat the chicken bacon pizza or uh, pepperoni mushroom pizza. And we, we discovered Philly feta. Yeah. Philly feta is Ooh. kind of the, the winning Ooh. recipe, Steak right? Like last time we got yeah, last time we got uh, pizza, it was Philly yeah. feta, and that was delicious. Uh, I like chicken, bacon, Kalamata olives, and goat's cheese. I'm not With an olive person. Sauce. Have you tried like so? No I guess I haven't tried person. olives in quite so a while. You need to try but... a plate of olives I and be like don't go that far because you like if you have only ever had cheap olives like cheap olives are disgusting it's entirely possible that the only olives i've ever eaten were on a pizza <laughs> and those pe- okay. those olives are disgusting <laughs> those olives are not representative of olives like they're like go i'll take you to an olive bar i'll get six olive bar. olive bar they have yeah. a garden there I know about the garden, but the bar? Whole Foods and Central Market, like fancy um, uh, markets and grocery stores have olive bars. And you get Kalamata olives. You get like Costello olives, like all of these olives. And they're so fuck. My mouth is watering. And then we put them in the microwave so we can watch them go zappy. My mouth is drying out thinking about those little salt bombs that are Kalamata olives that will dry me out like a desert immediately. Take one bite and you're instantly Saharan. You're just you're you're dried out. That's well, you that's why you also put pineapple on it to get some juiciness yeah. in no, there. No, no, God, no oh. pineapple and, and, and olives. No, that, that's you got not the sour a mix. and the salty. I think that goes well. I don't. I don't know if I would call it pineapple. So. Yeah, a little tart, a little tart. Yeah, definitely in the neighborhood. I like pineapple on a pizza. It. I will go on record at saying that. Yeah, but it has uh, to be with the right toppings. I think I think pineapple. Like it's really interesting that they have pineapple and ham because I feel like pineapple and bacon is a better. It's a better combo. Yeah. yeah. And also, bacon is just a better ham. See, now I'm just wanting a lot of pizza. Right. <laughs> I, I haven't had dinner. Yeah, we better I move on before I just get on DoorDash here. <laughs> I uh, thought about that earlier. I was like, would it be weird if I just DoorDash? You can food. DoorDash some food here, or you can help yourself. I have food if you want any food. Um, a well, little bit so more. It's so funny because, yeah. like, speaking of uh, DoorDash, like, uh, a pizza was $12. Still pretty comparable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pizzas hold steady. Uh, but uh, it was really interesting. Uh, have any of you ever been a pizza delivery person? No. No. I've, I worked at a Papa Murphy's for a little bit, but I know. Uh, I've never was, been a pizza delivery a guy, pizza but hat. I know that guy sucks at it. <laughs> I was a pizza delivery girl for a while uh, until I think my father broke my car on purpose so I wouldn't be a pizza. Because I was telling him, like, yeah, I keep delivering these pizza and then they keep wanting me to come inside the hotel room. <laughs> and, Whoa. And, then, and then all of a sudden my car didn't work and, uh, and I so I had to quit. And what age was this? All of a sudden, my at? car worked. Uh, I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's good dadding, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably for the best. Um, a little bit more about this movie. So uh, John Hughes did not want to direct it. He wrote the script, but he didn't want to direct it. So he passed it along to some friends of his. Uh, Chris Columbus was the person who came in and took on not the, the role. one who founded uh, found the United States. Not that in, one. Uh, in some tellings, that's very true. Yes. So previously, uh, Chris Columbus had the chance to direct an earlier John Hughes Christmas movie, which would have been National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. But after oh. one week of working on that movie, he quit because <laughs> of but, Chevy Chase. But exactly, he claimed life is too short to work with Chevy Chase. <laughs> And he quit. And that was only his second Twice. movie oh ever. Oh, my God. So I know? was listening to Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast with yeah. Chevy Chase today. Oh, really? And he is so weirdly combative. Like, you say yeah. something, and he's all like, hey, what did you just say? You know, it, it, it's it's so combative. And yeah. it's just... He's, he's a famously huge asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, Chris Columbus opted to do this movie instead, which I think probably ultimately worked out better for him. Uh, so they have an $18 million budget on this, which was kind of a lot for a comedy, but still relatively workable. 
Uh, now, the studio to play the Burglars originally asked uh, Robert De Niro and John Lovitz. Those were their two picks for uh, uh, Marvin Harry. Uh, but when neither was available, the roles fell to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Now, Pesci was having an unbelievable year in 1990, okay? So he had some kind of scene-stealing roles in the Lethal Weapon movies. And then in 1990, his two films are Home Alone, the highest-grossing film of the year, and Goodfellas, for which he wins Best Supporting what? Actor yes. Oscars. Yeah. Those are his, that, that's his 1990. And I, that, it always makes me so happy when unconventional guys like Pesci become movie stars and that's what he was for at least a couple years yeah. you know like he he was like a marquee movie star and i just i you gotta man love that. what a year for joe pesci hell of a year hell of a year and daniel stern was having a pretty good year too i mean he was kind of uh just sort of a, one of those character actors who just been rattling around for a bit uh they approached him to do this movie originally he passed they offered the movie to an actor named daniel roebuck and who's also kind of like another short kind of heavy set guy so he and Pesci didn't really have very different energy. You know, they were kind of like, you know, they needed somebody like to play off of uh, Pesci's size and everything like that. So Daniel Stern's very tall, very lanky. And at this point, he hair. Was, he has amazing he's got amazing hair. hair. He was best known, I think, at this point as being the narrator of The Wonder Years, which was oh, a, a big I... hit show at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and a great way to get your name out there to be a narrator and not even... Presumably be on screen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's never on screen. Christopher Columbus wrote The Goonies? He did. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. I, I, You're going to be mad at me when we get to The Goonies episode, just based oh, on no. your reaction there. I hate that movie. I Look, I... All right, that's a different podcast. Okay, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, no, a, no, that's a story. But, that's a conversation for other podcast times. But why am I the only one here who likes the Goonies? I think you might be. Uh, might be. All right, we'll, we'll get into. Granted, that. Granted, I, I saw it for the first time as an adult, so yeah. it, it hit different. I, I think. Well, there's yeah. definitely like but, like a lot of comedies. It, there are things about it that don't age well, uh, but it's so it, it's so mischievous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't a mischievous kid though. All right, I'll, I'll, I was a good boy. I'll save it for the Goonies podcast, but I will say the thing that I can't get past with that movie is that it's a film full of what we were talking about, the obnoxious child actors, yeah. and all of them are just yelling over each other <laughs> trying to be the funniest person, and it drives me insane. There, but I'll save it. Yeah, it will, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll step aside. <laughs> yes. But, but, Otherwise, well, this podcast well, is going to be wait, twice as long. Well, let's, 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 let's contrast because uh, yeah. what Corey Feldman is in that, and Corey Feldman definitely, for me, uh veers into the annoying child yeah. actor. Feldman was really good when he was really good, but I think as his career got on a little bit, he became, his persona became a little more desperate, you know, a little more like eager to please. And uh, that wasn't very fun. But yeah, so this movie, uh, all the exteriors of this are shot in Winnetka, Illinois, like most of John Hughes's films. And I remember that because my mom used to tell me that uh, my aunt and uncle live on that exact same street where Home Alone oh, nice. is shot. Like, uh, I don't know them very well, but they're lawyers, and apparently they're very moneyed. And this is a moneyed-ass neighborhood. Money I mean, neighborhood. Yeah. I, I still, like, it's one of those things I have a hard time wrapping my head around, that this family with their eight children and, like, massive mansion can afford to live so on a single So they only have house. five children. Okay, yeah, I know. I was uh, exaggerating, But they have the cousins yeah. and the aunts and the uncles. But they were going to take 15 people to Paris. And okay, just yeah. the dad was paying for it. Yes. Well, and no, the, the brother that lives in Paris is paying for it. So I'm wondering what oh. that guy does. Because, A, they have an apartment with, like, this bay window overlooking the Eiffel Tower. Okay, that means they're right in central Paris, and that's, like, probably ridiculously expensive. And as we see in the next movie, they have a uh, townhouse <laughs> in Manhattan that they're completely renovating from top to bottom. So... I'm wondering what they do. I think this whole family's in some kind of weird Catholic drug cartel. I think they're. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if that this is just the companion piece to Goodfellas? This is the children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, this is what happened after they found uh, the one-eyed Willie's gold. <laughs> they just spent it on all of this. But then, but then the the Joe Pesci that one that one goes weird then. Yeah, because like. But there's plenty of petty criminals who don't, uh, who aren't part of the the family. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, so uh, how? Yeah, and, and I guess the last thing to say is that this movie made 256 million dollars in 1990, which was Ooh. enough to make it the highest-grossing film of that year, and it broke a record for being number one at the box office for 12 weeks in a row, a record that would hold until Titanic came out and did it for 15 weeks. Um, so. 
a ridiculous runaway success that minted one of our strangest movie stars ever. How many times would you guys estimate you've seen this movie? Oh, gosh. Um, Two. Okay. All right. You can you can uh, nail it down. As a child, uh, countless. But I did see Home Alone 2 more than Home Alone 1. That uh, might be my case, I, too. I think I remembered more about Home Alone 2. Because, um, like, I very vaguely knew that I'd seen Home Alone before. And it's possible that I've seen, like, bits here and there like channel surfing yeah during the holiday season because dear god is it always going to be on like abc or whatever right it's one um, of those for sure but uh yeah no this was never a big thing in my we didn't really watch a lot of christmas movies that i remember we did like the old school like rudolph and stuff sure. we didn't do like home alone or uh uh, what's the one with the 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 lamp of a lady's leg? Oh, oh yeah. shoot your eye out, yeah, Christmas yeah, story. Yeah. yeah, no, this one. I mean, I was thinking this. We so we were talking the other day about like what movies we've seen the most, you know, because I went to a screening of uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. I was realizing I've probably seen this movie at least every year since it's come out. So that's like nearly thirty times, more than thirty times. And I'm thinking, like, are there many movies I've seen more than that? And I think all the ones I've seen the most are just Christmas movies because <laughs> they are either they're society kind of inescapable. And this movie well, is just so perennial. Watchable. Like you, you Christmas movies, you, you get in the season. There's a reason why Spotify doesn't count December in your Christmas wrapped. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. It's just gonna be all Bing Crosby, and that's not gonna be an accurate <laughs> representation. Do you do you know how many covers of uh, All I Want for Christmas Is You there are? Two. No, there's a lot. I know. And they're all on Spotify. And so I may or may not have just uh, trolled my roommates with that a lot. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, all I want for Christmas plays, and then another version plays, and they're like, what is happening? And then the third one, by the fourth one, like, this, you need to stop this. I think and I'm then... currently winning our office poll. We've got a game. We're doing that Wham game. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard Wham yet this year, which is in wild. I have not heard Wham. Everyone else in my office has been Whammed, I think. So it's it's down um... to just me. As long as I can avoid George Michael for a few more days, <laughs> uh, it should be good. But now, now I just insert them into unsuspecting playlists when oh. we're listening. Oh, yeah, I'm just fun. like, let me add this to the queue. Let me throw that five songs down the line, and it'll happen when it happens. There you go. Absolutely. We'll listen to three different versions tonight at various yeah. points. Have you been getting the stripped-down acoustic version? <laughs> no, no. Treat them to the acoustic it's like, version. Like the the pop or the the punk goes pop and stuff. Oh, yeah. A lot of that. I think uh, uh, covers uh, are exempt, at least in the way we're playing it. A so. Christmas song that I had never heard before. Uh, until I went to Scotland and I lived there and it's so fucking popular and it's about uh, Christmas I think it's it might be called Christmas in New York but it's like so shady it's like it's like basically are you thinking like, Fairytale New York by the yeah, Pogues yeah yes yeah. oh it's, I fucking love the Pogues I love that song but oh. it's so the song is so shady as a Christmas song it's great uh, we, we just lost Shane McGowan a couple of weeks ago uh, the lead singer of that band and uh, that's one of the great Christmas songs for sure I was always more partial to Winter in Chicago by Flatfoot 56. Uh, I'll take your word on that. That sounds like time. a local Illinoisan thing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Home Alone is just, it is a movie I've watched so many times because as a kid, you're just like absolutely into it because this, there's so few movies of this size and this caliber that are just geared towards kids and capturing the kid experience. And so, like, it was really interesting and enchanting then. And as an adult, I still really enjoy this movie because uh, I've come to really like John Hughes's sensibilities where, like, he has no problem just kind of drifting into cartoonishness, like, whenever it's These guys him. would have been dead, like, seven See, times. I think, yeah. Well, I, I think there's a combination of cartoonishness but also reality because his yeah. characters have this grittiness to them. Like, they're actually, like... The fight between Kevin and his mom mm -hmm. is actually uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ! Can we get onto the parenting that's going on in that household? Because I think th this Yikes. is a movie that is really uh, go bending over backwards to not paint these parents as horribly negligent or terrible. Like, and I think they succeeded that. It helps that they have Catherine O'Hara uh, playing the mother here. She's unbelievable. Yeah, even she's from, so uh, from good. this age. Like from this point, I knew her from uh, Beetlejuice, but like. Yeah. She's unbelievable, and she's so good in Shit's Creek. Yeah, oh. no, she's fantastic. She's having this great like late career resurgence right now, and it's so deserved. Um, but yeah, she is she's wonderful in this, and I think 
she plays it so harried and so hectic and that like she's throwing all of her resources as human as much as humanly possible and that we see that she's doing everything she can to get back so you know we we don't judge her too horribly harshly i, I would argue by the second movie some of that goes away but we'll get uh, no to that. like we'll get to the second movie when we get to it but like i thought it was really funny because like if i like uh, honestly if all my family was in paris i'd be like stay in paris yeah. i'll go get the kid like the kid's at home yeah, uh, yeah. he's fine he's fine uh, no we're gonna cancel vacation we're gonna fly everyone back home last minute ticket prices yeah. like, from paris yeah from paris. like pay it once yeah well technically like three times one to go back and then Twice to come in, yeah, I and mean, then just leave when the original time to leave was. They're, they're going through a mad scramble here. But yeah. let's get back to the beginning with the argument. Yeah, the argument where God, he has fourteen people look at him like he's the smallest, most insignificant thing in the world. Yeah, it's so like it's so, like it gets your heart, and you're like, oh my gosh, these people are jerks fuck that and and macaulay really walks the line here because he is being a little bit of a shit but we also do feel like his kind of warranted to a degree well and like this is the like anybody who has been a younger sibling knows this bullshit yeah buzz is the quintessential big brother and he's such a fucking shit yeah yeah no he's an asshole Uh, and like he you know everything is really his fault but kevin responded with violence and everything but uh my a friend of mine uh chris antista he runs the uh 302010 podcast a couple years ago he did a special episode of his show laser time where he broke down every step of this movie like how how many different clockwork kind of things have to happen in order for kevin to be left home alone mm-hmm. i think that's where the mechanics of this movie are really clever like, we need to see exactly, like, okay, the power goes out. So there's Mad Scramble. They've got this huge house full of people. The tickets get milk spilled on them, so they don't notice that his ticket is missing. Uh, he's sleeping in the attic because they have a fight, so it's easy to kind of forget that he's there. The kid from next door is over there, so they count him by mistake. Like, there are so many ways where they take that, the blame off. That little shit, though, was just rummaging through their bags. Does this have four-wheel transmission? Does this have all-wheel yeah, drive? First, he's bugging the drivers, which I'm like, all right, whatever. But then he's like, oh, they put a bag in here already. And he just starts rummaging through. He and does. It's like he picks up their camera and takes a picture with it and then just throws it back down and starts rummaging some have more. any of you ever had to run through an airport? Yes. No. Yeah, I have. Ugh, it's so horrible. It's you so get stressful. so sweaty underneath your clothes and it's so stressful and it's so fun. like what's worse is like waiting having to be like, "Okay, I got to get through security and then I have to run." And yeah. you know like like don't look shady during security cuz you're like, "I got to get the fuck I out." Gotta of here. go. There's only once that I had to be like, "Oh, sorry, excuse." me do you mind if I like and I only managed to do that for two people because I was too embarrassed I was like I was like I'm just gonna miss my flight I'm too uh, the, the embarrassment is too much and yeah we this is we're talking about post 9-11 air travel yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're at pre 9-11 air Where travel you can still run up to the gate yeah because they, they left their home 45 minutes before the flight left yeah which is wild considering uh, I've been to O'Hare before. <laughs> yeah. uh, excuse me? That's a chaotic Just the airport. traffic around O'Hare, getting to O'Hare, unless they live real close, uh, is going to take some time. But again, you need that time crunch so that they're not oh, realizing yeah. they left Kevin behind and they're not being like... And they need like, two vans. Yes, exactly. It's really important that we uh, establish, this movie establishes that his parents are not horrible people and i think they really go to lengths to so do that. i mean i now, think so what's the uncle's name again oh uh uncle frank yeah uncle frank yeah. yeah uh he was just being a dick to to him for no reason yeah yeah now, uh, i don't know i didn't poor grow kevin up, i didn't grow up in a big like bustling family oh, like no. this so oh, i never really I had a relationship a with family. like a i never had like a shitty uncle or anything you guys have a shitty uncle or yes. something similar yes, yeah okay, yeah <laughs> Yes, I mm, stories I could tell, um, and then we have had, like, it, we quickly established the you don't talk to somebody else's kid like that. Yeah, uh, like you talk to the parents, and then the parents deal with it. Yeah, that was a thing that was in our family. Arguments started often about somebody trying to, uh, uh, what's the the word for when you're punishing somebody but kind of yeah disciplining yeah. a child through words and they're like no 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 you don't 
You don't talk to them like that. No. no um, not and yes, yeah, he not only was he absolutely shitting on Kevin, but it was Kevin's dad that spilt the, the soda yeah. on Uncle Frank. The dad is very like laissez faire this entire time. Like John, yeah. I, I like John Hurd. He's a very like kind of laid back film presence. But like, yeah, he's he's very calm through this entire series. Uh, and I'm just like, all right, dude. Yeah, that's that's I see why you guys make a good pair because Catherine O'Hara is very stressed out. But, you know, clearly he's doing something right because yeah, that house is unbelievable and he doesn't seem bothered by any. He's got that wealthy guy thing of just not being bothered. By well, it's really interesting because like like you think it has to be generational wealth, but Uncle Frank is poor. But the other two brothers aren't. So did he just squander his wealth? What's going on with Uncle Frank? And he's did the he, cheap he one, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the one who's not spending anything. Um but yeah, so we, Look, we get I would all have these, Uncle Frank. <laughs> we need all of these machinations to get Kevin alone. And like there's that exuberant kind of little kid thing in the beginning of him realizing, okay, yeah, I'm alone. This is actually pretty cool. I get to do whatever I want. Like, I don't know if you guys remember the first time your parents left you home alone, like well, they went left out for the day or something like that. But I reacted in a very similar way where I'm just like, ah, I could do anything I want. I had too Where's many he? siblings for that. Oh, see, so yeah, I, I, I had the two, you know, and like the one younger and one older, but I was always kind of put in charge. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would just go nuts. Yeah, my mom was one of those parents that like I didn't really get left alone very often. Uh, I had an older sister, and so uh, it would be like I'd be left with my older sister. Yeah. Um, I think I was a teenager before I was like, yeah, I think and like not because they didn't trust me just because there was like four children. Yeah, the so logistics like just, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a long time, my parents worked different shifts and then uh, which meant that one of them was typically home. And then when they were both on similar shifts, uh, my mom worked at the school and drove me to and from it. So yeah. See, there you and go. then eventually it was like middle school. I lived down the road and my mom was also working at that school. And so I would walk home because it was like two blocks and I would beat her home. But it's like, I'm home alone for 10 minutes yeah. before it- she gets here. And it's not like I'm not getting away with anything here. Oh, no. Uh, I get to watch 10 minutes of whatever I want on TV. There you go. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so uh, Kevin's arc in this movie is a little vague, I guess, to me. Okay. Because, like, you're not clear if the arc is that he learned to stop being a little jerk because. We we nah. see enough that like his his family is kind of pushing him to act out the way he's acting out. So we're a little sympathetic with him. Yeah. There's also kind of the arc of like his sister him, calls him incompetent. Incom- incompetent. Yeah. That, that yeah. He doesn't know how to do anything, but he's clearly incredibly resourceful. Like he doesn't learn how to do that in the course of the movie. I think he has mm. the male baby syndrome. Yeah. Okay. Which is like I am a man. I am a baby. Everybody gets to do everything for me. Like, what? What do you mean? I have to pack my suitcase. Yeah. And the thing to me also is that, uh, and this is where I was, I was like piecing together little bits of like the parenting and stuff. He's behaving that way for a reason. Also, uh, because like he doesn't know how to pack a suitcase. His parents aren't explaining how to pack a suitcase. And this whole thing could have just been solved with like, Hey, what do you think you need? Yeah. You need clothes. You need the da. Like this would have been a quick little like parenting thing to have done at any point before this. But um, I mean, I'm, I'd argue he's able to really quickly rig up these elaborate like Rube Goldberg machines in his house to make it look like Which shows he's live competent. There. So he is pretending to be incompetent. It's, yeah. Or so yeah. he doesn't, but like ultimately, I guess he doesn't really learn or grow in that way because we don't see like a we don't see any kind of montage of him screwing up, like trying to do the laundry and failing, trying to make food and failing. Like he kind of just has it all on lock. He I, makes laundry. He does laundry very well. And like I was surprised. It's like, dude, you you you're at home. Your clothes probably aren't dirty. Uh, and he uh, learns a valuable lesson about using aftershave, you know, with the iconic does scream moment. Does it stink moment. that much? Here's the thing. Never used aftershave. I think that's Same. very much a thing of, like, my dad's generation or older. So, like, that reference had to be explained to me even when I was a little kid. I'm Shit. like, why is he screaming like that? And I For quite like, yeah, a while, I would shave without even using shaving cream. Oh, God. I would just Oof. go in wet. I would get my face all hot and wet, and I'd be like, "Hey, let's go, buddy!" Oh, buddy! Oh, and it was fine. I only cut. Co- I yeah, I cut myself a astoundingly low number of times for me being me. 
Okay. Uh, it was I, like five so total in my life. being home alone, so my entire family was taking a nap. Yeah. And I decided, being seven years old, I was going to shave my legs. I come out. I So I have the scar to this day. Oh, no. I just like one razor, and I just went dry up my leg. So I had a seven, eight-inch long razor, like, cut and it was bleeding like crazy and i was like i can't wake up my mom and and it was just keep bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and it was just like it was like so it was like so it was so fucked up i was like and but it was like yeah i'm talking about being doing stupid things when you're a child (laughs) that's horrifying yeah Uh, no very yeah that's uh yeah i mean so Kevin's doing a lot better being home alone than I probably would have. I mean, we haven't really talked about the burglars at all. Now, we're we're kind of we're we're recording two episodes sort of back to back. So if we slip in and out of talking about home alone two and back again, I apologize. Think of this as one big super episode. But I do want to say, like, the burglars in this movie have a menace to them that is not uh. present in the second movie at all. Like they what are, are talking? no okay no. no I'm gonna he okay. pulls a gun on a kid we're gonna okay let's 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 save let's save, <laughs> we'll save talking that. save it for the but I will say I completely disagree with you okay I will but there is really something um there is something very menacing about uh the wet bandits yeah uh and it's so interesting about like how he they break into a house and instead just stealing things they ruin it they decide to ruin that house full yeah they they ransack it and then he clogs the drains runs the water and floods the house yeah yeah it's not enough to just take their stuff so there's something to that and like just kind of the i mean well again we have to mention john williams does the score on this movie oh, it's an incredible so timeless yes. score and he he goes a real low tones whenever we have the burglars like there's a scene where they're they're trying to follow him in the van and he gets scared and runs and away like yeah like, unless like and the kids it's the, the, the most burglars are like oh why is he running away because you're two grown fucking men in a van <laughs> following him you're yeah. two grown men following him in a van the most inconspicuous way forward which is keeping yourself a quarter of a block away and just slowly rolling behind him at the same. It's like if right. you were watching an episode of SpongeBob or something. Right. Like that's the level of following we're getting here. And I'm just like, yeah. My God, you you painted yourselves as the competent one and the incompetent one early on, and now I'm starting to see maybe and you're both in that, that category. That's the great thing. Like they they have this really great like cartoon dynamic, you know, because in the cartoons it's always like. There, there's the little chatty guy who's smart, and then there's the big strong guy who's dumb. You know, so they've got a little bit of that. Marv is fully bought into Harry's bullshit, and I think we read that his patter is bullshit. Although he's, they're they're good enough at robbing these houses, but they get completely stymied by this little kid. And so we should transition to talk about that last act of this movie oh, where wait, wait, it's wait, like we, a completely we different can't, movie. We can't get to the last act yet. There's okay. a couple of things we gotta hit Please. before this. First of all, we gotta hit. The the um there's a real like um getting to know strangers as friends that you're afraid of yes. uh storyline in both uh one and two. Yeah. And like the having this guy be a, like this sad, lonely man uh be alone at Christmas and this really shows a really redeeming character arc like for for kevin for yeah. me yes. is that he they sh- it shows that he's a good kid not just a little shit yeah um, we we do need that and i love that they cast roberts blossom as the old man who it's a he's kind of a horror icon of the 60s and 70s he did movies like maniac and christine stuff like that so he looks scary like he's got that kind yeah. of energy but he can also look very uh kind of paternal and santa clausy in a way you know like when they're having that conversation in the church that's maybe my favorite scene in the movie just because they have a natural back and forth at least that's the best acting the colton does in the movie i think they they just have a real natural pattern and i think it's a thing that that he does a few times uh throughout the movies but like reacting to people and being scared of them and then going like hey sorry i was scared of you yeah no, he's um, the kid's got an emotional maturity that that sort of comes through, and that's part of what makes him such a likable kid. But yeah. he does start to reach this point. You're right; like it's around this time, like 
he's starting to reach the point where he misses his family and he's scared to be by himself. And as, as a note, he thinks they're gone because he said multiple times that he wished they'd disappear. Yeah. And then they did. <laughs> so, yeah, he's got that kind of childlike naivete where he doesn't think to follow up on them in any other way because, well, A, the power lines are down or the phone lines are down and uh, he's not able to reach anybody. But he just kind of assumes that he did this, you know. And that's a very, uh, like, real kid observation because every kid kind of thinks they're the center of the universe to a degree. Like, you can imagine that the world goes away when you close your eyes. So he's got a little bit of that energy. But when he decides it's time to finally defend the house, the tone of the movie changes dramatically Mm -hmm. for, like, just a good half an hour of the film. Like, the majority of this film is not booby traps and pratfalls, but these are the moments that really made this movie such a box office sensation because this is the stuff you can put in the trailer, right? And have it, you yeah. seen that French movie? That yes, was like <laughs> Dial Code Santa Claus. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Like they oh, were going to so show cool. it at the Draft House last year, and I almost watched it, but I couldn't get out to watch it. So yeah, was... for for folks who aren't familiar with this, it's a movie. It goes by several different titles. I saw it under the title Dial Code Santa Claus. It came out the year before Home Alone. And it's kind of like a very, very hard R horror movie version of Home Alone. And I think there might have been a lawsuit at one point, like where they thought that uh, that the uh, this movie might have been ripping that off. I think they're different enough, but it is kind of a similar thing. It's a little kid trying to defend his uh, elderly grandpa from a serial killer that's broken into the house dressed like Santa Claus. It's <laughs> wild, and it is so cool. Definitely check that movie out. Yeah, but... Uh, this movie is almost as violent as that yeah. in its own way. Like I remember some of the violence in this movie shocked me when I was a kid. And like my mom would actually have to cover our eyes because even played as cartoonishly as it is, there's a real thing of like if Tom and Jerry were a real cat and mouse, you would be horrified by the things that they do to each other and that's kind of what we're getting here i really like the homage to raiders of the lost ark with the Mm -hmm. the hand uh burning yes yeah that was great and like just all these different little i mean which one do you think would kill somebody the fastest like at what point do you think it's easy the paint the paint can See, I think uh, the icy stairs might get them first. I think, well, it's so funny. You watch this show and you're like, oh, God, like you're back. You're just like you're back. You'd be done. You'd be done. You'd be like phone. You'd be like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. It quickly turns uh, from we want to rob this house to we want to fuck this kid up. Right. We we hate this kid. We're going to destroy him. And they it's, just keep getting stymied. It fucking, yeah. uh, it's a tightrope walking of being menacing without being too menacing. Being cartoonish without being too cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this movie strikes that balance really well. It's, it's, it's a wise decision to have the two burglars split up early in the sequence so that like we can ping pong back and forth between their various injuries so we're getting set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece it's really entertaining and fast-paced i like that there's kind of a theme to the injuries they get like all of marv's injuries are to his feet while all of harry's injuries are fire related yeah you know so they're like taking damage as the movie goes on and like just getting more and more fucked up and yeah you know like and like you said we do need to still believe that it's really bad for this kid if they finally catch up to him. So, like, there is a moment at the end of the sequence where they do catch him. And we need to believe that that's actually really bad. Because not only are they bigger and stronger than him, they're really pissed off. Because mm-hmm. he just uh, messed them up very And they severely. just hang him up on a coat hanger on the back of a door. They're just like, you know what? Fuck you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck here now. And now we're going to talk about what we're going to do to you. Right. And the first thing he goes to is, I'm going to put a blowtorch to his head because he did that to me. And then they try and bite his fingers off. And apparently yeah. Macaulay Culkin got a real injury during that scene because uh, somebody bumped Joe Pesci and he bit him a little oh, bit. No! Oh, no! He's got a little scar. <laughs> oh, Pesci God. apparently felt horrible, uh, as you can imagine. But And then they get shoveled. They get shoveled. Yeah, we get uh, the old man who apparently was uh, observing this the entire time but, <laughs> and just doing nothing well, to he help. Wasn't, so I was wondering, they, so he went to the house that they'd already burgled, uh, which I thought it was really interesting that you're just like, uh, Kevin McAllister has a real fuck the police attitude. He is. He's, uh, he's early A cab. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He never thinks to go with the cops. 
Well, and it, it's well, he did. He did call the cops. Oh, eventually, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, but they they made sure that it was at a different house than yes. his, so that he didn't get caught up in the police dragnet because he stole a toothbrush. <laughs> he stole That's a toothbrush. Right. Well, and and the, the the phones were out at, the, at his house too. So like, and he, I think. Maybe it would strain some kind of legal credibility if, like, a little kid's involved in this in every any way. But, you know, it's it's a pretty fun sequence. Like, if you can put aside how horrific some of these things are. Like, the nail through the foot really bugs me Oof. to this day. Like, that's such a painful thing. Oh, do you remember the... Uh what was it? Uh, the Quiet Place. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I love to oh. like, yeah, bringing it, bringing the nail back. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't uh, anybody out there? You don't have to bring the nail back. No, it's okay. No, it's a, I'm it's a fine thing. Yeah, it. it's coming back in a big um, way. But yeah, but I, I love reverse sequence, and I think it's really this kind of typifies what I like about John Hughes is that he can switch gears in the middle of it without you losing the emotional through line like this movie yeah. does not hold together a hundred percent like perfectly the entire time some of the character motivations are a little specious and like sometimes it's just a little too excessive for its own good but the reason this movie has kind of endured is because of how just sheerly fun it is and how willing it is to blend all these genres yeah when when he runs around the back of the neighbor's house opens their cellar door and goes in and it cuts down. I The first thought I had was, what the fuck is wrong with these people's house? This is terrible. <laughs> yep. Oh. Yep. They've been wet. Ah, I see what I see what you did here. <laughs> and, of course, you get a lovely little uh, uh, conclusion where the family gets back, you know, and there's a nice ironic twist of, like, she struggled to get there and, like, hitchhiked in a freezing cold polka bus. With and John Candy. With John Candy doing a, doing a nice little cameo uh, for his friend John Hughes. Uh, they just made Uncle Buck together. Uncle Buck's a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Check out Uncle Buck if you haven't watched that. Um, you know, they have a nice little moment. And he, he got to improvise all of his bits. <laughs> well, and she probably improvised as well because she's a very famous improviser before she became. Um, yeah, uh, okay. they were actress, on, actress. Those two were on uh, SCTV back in the early '80s, which is kind of the Canadian answer to SNL, and that's where uh, Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis and John Candy, all these guys, come from. So, like, what uh, does the SC stand for? Second City. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Because uh, Toronto had second had a second city. Yeah, I was like Southern Canada television. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of yeah. The southern part of Canada is where you want to be. Yeah, honestly. Um, but yeah, let's uh, uh, you know let's transition a little bit to the games here because we do have another movie we're going to talk about tonight, and I think these games are really weird and interesting in their own ways. Uh, terrible, but weird <laughs> and interesting in their own ways. Don't spoil it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to spoil it. These games are bad. <laughs> uh, so the the Home Alone games were released between 1991 and 1992. Hard to pin that down because uh, the release dates were not all on one day back then. Uh, this is developed by Bethesda Softworks. So oh my God, Bethesda. So if you played Sky. Skyrim or Fallout lately, you have this game to thank. And it was published by THQ. Uh, This is available on NES, Super NES, Game Boy, Master System, Genesis, Amiga, DOS, Game Gear. You could play versions of this just about everywhere. Um, Now, each version of the game like has the right tack i think where it's like you need to defend your house against the invading burglars it's taking that 20 minute sequence of the movie and making that a game it's the right way to approach the game i don't have any beef with that the beef i have with it is just the execution of it so let's talk a little bit about the nes version we played the nes and the super nes i think they're very different games in a lot of ways the NES game is a little infamous at this point because uh, a lot of people bought this game, and so I think a lot of people share the same frustration that uh, we were encountering with this game. Uh, basically, your goal here is you're walking around in kind of the cross-section of your house, and you need to pick up traps, leave them on the uh, ground for the burglars, and survive the game for 20 minutes. I just want to clarify, not your house, but Kevin's house. Oh, excuse me, yes. not It's not a digital rendition <laughs> of your own house. That would be a while. Yes. Um, so they, you know, that, that's kind of the basic idea here. And, like, as a concept, I don't hate this. The idea of kind of prepping your house yeah. for... A bunch of booby traps and like you can you can set yeah like there's an interesting game idea here but what this translates to on the <laughs> nes is very different from that like you are not like for instance you you can run around the house picking up like micro machines or the tarantula or the the christmas lights all the different things he uses in the movie but you're not seeing these things happen basically what you're doing is picking up an icon and then putting that icon on the floor and then the burglar will walk into it and fall over and that's it 
And then depending on which item it was is how long they will stay down before they get back up. And they walk faster than you. And going up and down staircases is hard. Yeah. It's such a glitchy game. It's very glitchy. Yeah. It's got that kind of early Castlevania thing where you need to be specifically in the right pixel place. And then you press up and then like diagonal slightly to get up the stairs. It takes a lot of finesse to get it happening. Except while you're and you doing need to that. be quick. You need to be quick. You made the comparison yes. to Pac-Man. Like this does have kind of a Pac-Man-y vibe, except you have fewer points of evasion you know like you you'll multiple times you'll get into a position where like you'll just corner yourself and there's mm -hmm. nothing you can do uh and maybe sometimes we ran into issues of like we're trying to get down these stairs but this game is so finicky with its controls that i can't get down these stairs i think so you're supposed to survive for 20 minutes i think the longest any of us survived was three minutes yeah about that yeah and that was a good run like three minutes was a good well, run. It, and really i'm gonna weird, throw out I there i don't think that the time was accurate because it felt longer than three minutes yeah because it, it, it technically it was the 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 time that i saw saw on the screen was like 27 in change okay so that means it was less than three minutes and i was like i feel like it's been five Oh. It's really hard to tell because, and the game like resets quickly. You know, that's something I can say for it. Yeah. If you die, you can immediately just boom, boom, you start the game over again. And it's meant to be played in these little bursts. But there's a, a harder difficulty mode on there where you have what? to survive for 40 minutes. And oh. I cannot imagine. This is like the original roguelike. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Except there's no real sense of development or evasion. Like, you get pretty yeah. familiar with the mechanics of this pretty quickly. And. Since there's zero differentiation between the animations when you use a trap, like it kind of just doesn't matter what trap you're using. Yeah, like they could, this could just be anything. This could just be a box with a picture of a dick on it for all we care. Like that's <laughs> all it needs to be. Like it's, Did it's you know, really unsatisfying. I figured it out right near the end. You can pick up the TV. Yeah, yeah, you can. I didn't know that. Don't know why. Yeah, you can pick it up and then just use it as a trap, I guess. Yeah, um, just <laughs> you use. It's a really addictive show, so yeah. you have to sit and watch. And I mean, like, oh dang! I can appreciate that they are trying to capture the vibe of the movie a little bit. Like they've got the house design, not maybe not necessarily dead on accurate, but you've got the rope ladder leading over to the treehouse if you need to make a quick escape, like. I can appreciate they have stuff like that. You know, you can go down to your basement and find the furnace down there. Can you? You, it's possible. But is we it possible? Able to figure it okay. Out the controls are so bad. I was able to get onto the staircase and go down the staircase until I appeared to be hitting my head on something. Yeah. And was then unable to go into the staircase. Because however, you, yeah. the wet bandits were able to go down there. Yeah. Um, and like and crawl up and down the side of the. Yeah, building. which I was also able to do. But I was like, how did you guys get down there? Because when I tried to get down there, it stopped me. Yeah. I was physically incapable. It was really, yeah, like I said, it's glitchy. Like, there were times, like, I wasn't clear if you were hiding in the Christmas tree or if the game was just flashing yeah. and you were disappearing into the Christmas tree. And, yeah, just very unsatisfying. Like, I would almost be in favor of a modern game that allows you to yeah. just, like, prepare your house, design your traps, and then just kind of execute and see how Especially it goes. Especially you know? in this interesting uh, asymmetrical genres that we have right now of like, uh, you know, Dead by Daylight. We have the Friday the 13th game. Yeah. Well, we had the Friday the 13th game. Um, what was the one that we played? Uh, Texas Chainsaw Texas Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you could do it like that, or you could do it like a like a tower defense game, you know? Yeah. Like you set up all of your turrets and everything like that, and then see if they can get in. And then, yeah, oh, okay, I just identified a new point of access for the burglars, you know? Like, there, there's an idea here that I can appreciate, mm -hmm. but the execution is so boring and so unsatisfying. It's a bad game. It's a very bad game. Now, the Super Nintendo game is a little bit more straightforward, that's just like a side-scrolling platformer, uh, but this one feels much less true to the spirit of the movie. <laughs> They've got like little gangsters in full suits. That's the thing. It's like they look like the little gangsters from the fake film noir he's watching. <laughs> you know, like that's where they look. They, they don't look like they Jerry reminded Mark at all. me of like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, ah, hey, you got the mobster here. And like, I did encounter Joe Pesci in this game. Like, he is Harry and Marv are characters in this game, but they also have just like half a dozen other cronies that are <laughs> wandering around the, with the you. opening well, sequence um, is like the uh, Harry and Marv are in the van. Yeah, and it's like good thing we just got out of the joint. 
Did you get all the boys? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, all right, there's going to be more than two. Well, it's yeah. funny because like they have actual sprites of uh, Marv and Harry in this one, but they don't in the in the other one that we played. Yeah, they looked pretty different. Maybe that's just the best they, that they could do. They had beards. Yeah, well, I mean, Marv is a beard at least, yeah. But yeah, Harry had a beard in the other game too. And really, your goal in this one is not so much trap-focused as treasure-focused. You're supposed to run around your house, find all of your bits of treasure, and then drop it down the laundry chute so it's safe. Yeah. Like, that's the because idea. Because criminals can't get to the basement. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, yeah, no, they can't do it. They, they definitely didn't just put a hole in his floor and then repeatedly go down to the basement in no, the movie. not at all. Um, I mean— be crazy. I found this one uh, less offensively bad, I guess, than the NES game, but it's yeah. also really uninspired, and the <laughs> controls are floaty, and, like, it just, it wasn't very fun either way. Like, and I think make, having a more conventional approach to it is kind of a knock against and, it in a way. And really boring, like, minimal gameplay engagement. Yes, yeah. it, was, it was less bad, uh, but still not more good. Yeah. There you go. Very succinctly put. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there there just wasn't a whole lot to hang your hat on. Like, this kind of looks like every other Super Nintendo game of the era, and just kind of a minimal amount of thought was put into it. Like, I think you can find traps as, like, power-ups every once in a while. Like, you can drop some micro-machines behind you. But, again, the animations are not satisfying or fun. Do, uh, I was—what's the deal with the water gun? It's just the go-to kid weapon, you know? Yeah, but like, you don't... It doesn't do anything. It stuns gangsters. It's, Does it? Yeah, you, it makes the gangsters uh, double over, so you could, it's easier to jump over You have them. to hit them, like, five oh, or six times. I'm but, a dummy! But you they can, will still hurt you if you, you walk into them. Yeah, you. so you can jump over them no matter what, but if you shoot them, it's easier to jump over. I, I was just going in. Yeah. yeah. Like, I shot him a few times, and I'm like... He's just ducking. I don't know what's happening. Does he normally do that? I don't know. He's not moving because the first one, the first guy you see is stationary. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I definitely just didn't use the spray gun. Yeah. I mean, you, you could have. Yeah. The, the, you, you get a slingshot, I think, at some point. Another, like, classic kid weapon. But really, like, I read that the engine that they used on this game is the same one that they use. If it feels familiar at all, it's because it's the same one that they use for a game called Bart versus the Space Mutants on oh. the NES. You know that? You remember that? I did that, play that. That bad Simpsons game where yeah. you have to spray paint purple things? I don't Am I... like that game. Well, I'm trying to think. There was a Simpson game I liked. Okay. I don't remember which one it was. The, the two on the drive NES cars? were oh. uh, Bart versus the Space Mutants and Bart versus the World. I yeah. think Bart versus the World was a little bit more playable, but they were both pretty bad. Most of the Simpsons games are pretty bad. Um, but Simpsons yeah. Hit and Run, though. Simpsons Hit and Run was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that one. Um, but yeah, yeah, pretty bad game. Pretty bad games for both of these. You know, uh, definitely quick cash-ins. I'm, I'm going to give them props for trying to adapt the movie in an interesting way, trying to gamify this uh, pretty yeah. iconic sequence in the movie. But they execute, maybe the technology just wasn't there or the execution just wasn't. Similar uh, to the Die Hard game, I was like, oh, this is an interesting mechanic. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting uh, style of game. It's an interesting idea. Uh, execution, not quite not there. Not great. Not great. Well, do we have any final thoughts about Home Alone? We are going to be moving on to talking about Home Alone 2 uh, just this evening. Um, but uh, do we have any final thoughts about this first movie? It's a great movie. It's really fun. It's, it's uh, kind of undeniable. Well, it's undeniable. And like the the casting is amazing. Absolutely. Uh, and it really captures the chaos of a, of a big family Christmas. Yeah. Um, and it also gives you that aspirational, like, you know, uh, wealth because you're like yeah I'll never... I, one day i want to be this rich what, well not even so much that you're like rich man man rich people have it easy it, i mean Can it's you... a nancy myers kitchen before the nancy myers kitchen like yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty beautiful house yeah and who would have thought the little fuller a little kid who wets his pants would be a emmy nominated star of succession like he's... only nominated he didn't win i don't think he's won yet oh my gosh maybe he'll win this year that. yeah he this is his last chance and this was probably the best he well, i don't know like show. i don't think that this is going to be the last we see of him like he's oh such yeah a no, good i mean i guess it's, my, it's his last chance for succession. the succession role for yeah um but 
Yeah, well, let's move on to our rankings. If this is a good movie, good game, bad movie, bad game, or somewhere in between. I think we've all tipped our hands at this point. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a good movie and a bad game. Uh, both of these games were pretty bad. Uh, Super Nintendo may be slightly better, but less original. I'm going to say great movie and atrocious game. I'm Ooh. like, this is like right up there. It's near the bottom for uh, With like, it's not quite E.T., but it's like maybe three or four notches above E.T. Yeah, it's it's a pretty infamous one for, for lovers of bad games. How about you, Justin? Yeah, good movie. Um, Bethesda definitely wasn't in their prime at this point. Uh, this was... Uh, pre-Daggerfall and all that, so they had a lot of work to do. <laughs> and they didn't do it very well. On this I one. see no difference between this and Evil Within. Same game. <laughs> Same game. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, well, excellent, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. As we've said, we are going to be continuing this little mini-series and closing out the year on Home Alone 2, which we are going to uh, get ready to go record right now. So we will see you all next week. And uh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. We'll see. You. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. I'm repetitive. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope your basement's wet. <laughs> all right. I'm going to have to censor that. Okay. This is a kid's show. Calm down. <laughs> it's not a kid's show. All right. Bye, everyone.